Welcome to Watch Therefore. Our Savior Jesus told us to watch for His coming, and the signs that He spoke of are all around us, shouting, Watch Therefore, and be ready. So join me, Dove Schwartz, as we learn to watch and prepare for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today's program was recorded at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom in Pearland, and I'd like to invite all of our listeners in the Houston area to join us at Calvary Chapel in Pearland, where the Bible is taught line upon line, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, where prayer is a priority and where fellowship is something we experience together as Jesus our Savior walks in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ray Jensen is the new pastor at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom, and the Lord has raised him up to lead this congregation in this critical hour just before the coming of Messiah Jesus. Listen today, and we pray you're blessed. Exodus 1, the exit that we're going to start seeing how this comes about in Exodus 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, all his brothers and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. And so you've got Joseph is out, he's gone, all his generation is gone. So there's a lot of great and mighty things that God did in in the land of Egypt that a lot of people have now forgotten. So these first verses here, they give us a link between the last chapters of Genesis and now the events that we're getting into with Exodus. It kind of made that bridge for us to show us what's going on. Now we can see here that God protected Jacob's line. That's what's important here. God protected Jacob's line here and increased his descendants to a large population. They were fruitful and multiplied even though they were in Egypt. Now, several generations separated Levi from Moses. So the time of Joseph's death to this recorded growth, I think, was about 100 years. Exodus 12 says that the men in Exodus numbered about 600,000. So not counting women and children, the total Israelite population could have been around 2 million, for all we know. It could have been a lot bigger than that. So we can see how Egypt was filled with Israelites. There's a whole bunch of them. A nation had emerged. Just as God had promised Father Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Let me show you. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the nation had come up, but they hadn't yet gotten to that land that God said He'd take them. That's why we have Exodus. They have to exit. They have to get out of there to go. God is about to move Israel out of Egypt and into their own land. You know, you've seen the arguments in the, uh, the news and TV shows and media where people say that that land does not belong to Israel. That's the big argument. That's not their land. You need to give that to us. We should have it. Many argue that Israel came in and took it. Well, in a sense, they did, but because God gave it to them. It's theirs. It's His. Ultimately, the earth is the Lord's and everything therein. 
So if God gave that land to the descendants of Israel, then the land of Israel belongs to the Jews, period. End of story. God said it, that settles it. To this day, all the nations, including the government of my beloved United States of America, I love the United States, but they've all been sinful in trying to carve up Israel to give it to people that God never gave it to. It does not belong to them. It belongs to the Jewish people. It belongs to them. The area of Israel that God gave is not what you see on the map today. It's supposed to be much, much bigger. Joshua 1.4, from the wilderness. And this Lebanon is as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. The land that God gave to Israel included everything from the Nile River in Egypt to Lebanon, south to north, and everything from the Mediterranean Sea to the Euphrates, west to east. So what land has God stated belongs to Israel? Modernize it. All of the land of modern Israel that it currently possesses, plus all of the land of the Palestinians, the West Bank and Gaza, plus a lot of Egypt and Syria, plus all of Jordan and a lot of Saudi Arabia and Iraq. That's a lot. Israel currently possesses only a fraction of that land. So you know what? God's still going to do a lot of cool stuff through Israel. That's why we keep Israel in front of you. Jesus said, watch that tree. When it starts budding, you just watch what's coming, right? So that's why we keep it in front of you. So according to God's promise to Abraham, a large nation had emerged. They'd been fruitful. They had yet to receive the land and the law. That's coming up. Exodus 1 and 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up out of the land. And so the earlier Pharaoh, the one that we had heard of before, he had a good relationship with Joseph, and which is why he grew up through the ranks and helped his brothers out. But this new king, he didn't know Joseph. He didn't know him at all. Therefore, we can safely gather that he had no appreciation for Joseph's character or for God's ways and the things that God did. So this, it's like, up, oh, start all over. This guy doesn't know anything. And the new Pharaoh stressed two reasons for his concern about the Israelites. They're alarming amount of numbers. There's too many of them. They're too strong. And for the fact that if there was a war, for some reason, all these Israelites might join their enemy. And it might work against them internally inside of Egypt. So when Pharaoh said we should deal shrewdly with them, that meant he set in a policy through the leadership rule of Egypt that they would check their numbers and exploit their labor. They're about to get real mean on them. The Israelites have now become a government slave policy. Now this was Pharaoh's way to keep them down and at the same time get something out of them. We're going to keep them down and we're going to work them. In Exodus 1 and 11, therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, 
and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Now, rigor means unpleasant and difficult conditions. This was super harsh slavery. Notice it says in verse 11, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. Not to afflict them with burdens, but to afflict them with their burdens, like that they already had. It wasn't just that the Israelites were out doing hard work, but they had guys standing over them all day to add to their pain and suffering while they worked, as if the work itself wasn't hard enough. They had somebody add misery on top of it. Now, I grew up on a cattle ranch, and that's continual hard work. Any of you who do the ranch and know that, but I can only imagine if while I was trying to do this hard work that I had somebody standing over the top of me and whipping me and making life miserable and still expecting I get the same work done at the same time, as if they had nothing better to do than just make it miserable. I can't imagine the terrible anguish and the strain they must have gone through, the poor Israelite people being afflicted with their burdens. And so the Hebrews were severely oppressed, and they were required to build royal cities. They were tremendously and purposely and harshly mistreated. And this went on for 400 years. But you notice, no matter how harshly the Egyptians mistreated them, because they had God's blessing, what happened? He prospered them all the more, and their numbers still grew. I want to show you in 2 Timothy 3.12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. There's the parallel for us. Oh God, this is so hard. Why are people doing this to me? Well, that's kind of proof that you're really serving Christ. He didn't say persecution might come. He said it will. You know why? What happened to the Israelites? Made them grow. Persecution makes us grow. It makes us grow the body of Christ. Do you know what would happen if there was no persecution? We'd all lay down, take a break, and stop doing what God called us to do. That's what's wrong with America today. We have lazy Christianity. And what they're saying is just say Jesus is Lord. That's all you got to do. Just say Jesus is Lord. And the rest is a full, free, easy ride. It takes persecution to grow God's people. You cannot live your life on your own terms. Thanks, Jesus, for salvation. Now, leave me alone. i got my stuff to do. Jesus calls that iniquity. You saying, I do what I want to do, that's going to keep you out of heaven because that's called iniquity. So don't look out there at all the mess that's going on in the world with a sense of distaste about it. It serves a purpose for those of us who are in the body of Christ. Romans 5.3 says, glory in tribulations. Boy, that sounds backwards. I don't want to do that. Well, that's what the Bible says. Glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we can see what God is doing with the, with the Israeli people. We can see that God is refining the people of Israel. He's preparing them for taking them to the promised land. In Deuteronomy 4.20, But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be His people, an inheritance as you are this day. An iron furnace. I got to thinking, why did it call it an iron furnace? 
And you know how I am. I don't like to just throw words out at you, assume that you understand. I'm a Webster's Dictionary guy. I like to look up definitions. So I'm looking up what's with the iron furnace. The point of an iron furnace was for smelting. They would smelt with it. It was was to take a gold or a silver or something and put it in there and put intense heat on it. And what happens in this process is the impurities are removed from the metal. The impurities come up so they can scrape the metal off the top. If you wanted to purify gold, you put tremendous heat on it. Impurities come up and you scrape them off. So you're getting rid of impurities and you're also, what you're doing to the metal that's left is you're bringing it into a more pure and solidified together state. Getting rid of the bad stuff and concentrating the good stuff is what you're, do- what you're doing. So as we see, the more the Egyptians increased the workload on the Israelites, the more their numbers grew, and it also got them to a point of thinking, you know what, we want out of here. God is strengthening them, and He's preparing them for the exit, the exodus. I think that's real neat. So again, the parallel for us is when you're going through a tough time, you know what? God may be refining you for something that's coming, something great, something wonderful. Don't get so hung up in, oh, why am I in this? Look past that. Look with eyes of faith. What is God preparing me for? There's something great coming. Just like He was going to bring the Israelite people to the promised land. You've got good stuff coming. Just hang on a little longer. Just hang on. A little longer, he's refining you. Exodus 1.15 Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives of whom the name of one was Shifra and the, and the name of the other was Puah. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God. And did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. So you have this enslavement and affliction upon the Israelites, And it wasn't working out for Pharaoh. It was actually kind of backfiring because they were increasing. So now we got to kill all the males. So since they continued to increase, Pharaoh got a whole lot more aggressive. Shifra and Puah were the chief administrators of of an organization of midwives that helped women give birth. And he ordered them to kill the male children, keep the females alive. Now, verse 17 specifies the reason why they would not kill these children. Because they feared God. Because they feared God. They would not kill defenseless children because they feared God. Y'all understand where I'm going with this. Saturday, we went to Planned Parenthood and we prayed that place down. We still pray that place down. We went there and prayed, and you can see the battle of the front line. People pull up to go into Planned Parenthood, and you got the people who fear God giving them options. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. You can go to this bus. They'll give you an examination. They'll, they'll help you. You don't have to do this. And then you can see the Planned Parenthood people going like this. Come in, come in, come in. Hurry up. Don't stop for them. The battle hits right there. Now, we weren't there for that battle. We were there for the prayer battle. I just saw a pie chart the other day. 
it showed um, a, com uh, a comparison of the numbers of all the lives that have been killed in all the wars that the United States has ever fought in its entire history. And it's not even a quarter of all the abortions that have been committed since 1973. More, m way more that we have killed in this nation than all of our wars put together. They would not do it because they feared God. God is pro-life, should I say? How are we saved? God gave His own Son so that we could have what? Life. Life. Okay. I'm not getting political on you. I'm getting biblical on you. That's what I'm doing. They would not kill defenseless children because they feared God. And so these midwives said that the Hebrews delivered... Their reason was, well, the Hebrews delivered children so fast it was done and over with before we can get to them. That's kind of the way they put it. But that's what they said to Pharaoh. We know they wouldn't do it because he feared God. A story like this would be to get Pharaoh to believe that the boys were hidden by their parents and they couldn't kill them. Because since Shifra and Pua feared God, they simply refused to kill them. They would not kill them. Evidently, Pharaoh did not punish them. If you look at it, Pharaoh did not punish them for not enacting his policy that he said to kill them. This shows what? It shows that God protects his people. We get afraid of what people are going to do to us if we don't do what the majority tells us. If the majority says, do something sinful or that's okay, you know, we get scared of what they're going to do. Well, guess what? God's bigger than the majority. And if you will obey what God says, you don't have to fear them. Glory and tribulations, yes, but do what God says. He'll take care of you. He will take care of you, as we're about to see here. He protects His own people. Exodus 1.20 Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that He provided households for them. That's wonderful. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So Pharaoh shifted from the midwives now directly to the people. Well, if the midwives ain't going to do it, I'll have the people do it. You have a son, throw him in the river. He's taking the midwives out of the picture. God blessed, though. He blessed Shifran Puah in particular. It's always a good thing to obey God. It's always right to obey God. I have a friend who's just gotten saved. And now that he's gotten saved, he now sees the problem in his family. Now he sees things that he didn't see before. And he's having trouble and his family, because his family is so used to walking in iniquity in their own way. And now he can't do that. Now he has to do the way God says. And it's a battle. And he, he calls me, Ray, I had this big battle because I'm not doing this anymore. And I said, you do what God says. You keep trucking, brother. You keep doing what God has you to do. You'll get them. You're an influence over them. Just stay, stay strong. It's always a good thing to obey God, even when the command of those in leadership is sinful. Now, the Bible does say to respect authority, but that does not mean for you to commit a sin if the leadership is godless. Now, that's a big problem we have in America today. We have a godless leadership. Do what God says. And you know what? First, how do you, have to, how do you know what God is saying to do? You've got to be in His Word. One of God's purposes in increasing the Israelites seems to be to stir the fear of the Egyptians so that they would more severely afflict Israel to cause them to desire deliverance. If Egypt was all rosy and comfy, would they want to leave? No. Why do I want to leave? It's nice and comfortable here. 
They need to desire deliverance. One thing about people is they get comfortable. They don't like change. We have to get up and leave sometime. That's something about uh, being a leader. You know, when God called me to full-time ministry, I didn't want to. And I said, you're going to be a preacher someday. I said, yeah, right. In the last church we used to go to, the pastor came up to me once. I was in Bible college, and he knew I was called, and I was kind of not wanting to change because it was costing a lot for me to change. He goes, Ray, would you cover the pulpit for me uh, on, in two weeks? And I went like that. And he goes, oh, don't give me that look. And Anna's there going, yes, you know. And, uh, and I said, yeah. It didn't sound like a very com- uh, confident yeah, but I said I'd do it. And Anna goes, see, I told you you're going to be a pastor. I said, I'm not the pastor. I'm just covering the pulpit. And so, you know, look now. So, I mean, I followed God's call. When you hear God's call, you gotta, you got to do some change. So anyway, God calls people. When He calls them out, you have to be able to take change. And we don't want change if we get comfortable. So He had to cause them to desire deliverance because of the affliction. You can see how He's refining them in the iron furnace. Pharaoh's aggressive affliction to chop the Israelites' numbers down was actually turning around as numerical increase for the Israelites. Pharaoh was failing. He was failing to limit the growth of the people. And so now the oppression against the Israelites got much, much worse. But you know what? God is preparing a deliverer. Exodus 2. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh, look at that, of all people, the daughter of Pharaoh, came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. This child being spoken here, many of you may know, is Moses. Although he's not named Moses yet, Obviously, Pharaoh's decree to kill all the males, it jeopardized his, his life, but he was hidden, and we know that his parents had already done this in the past before, because Moses, Moses had other siblings. He had Miriam and Aaron. Aaron was three years older than Moses, so we can see that Moses' parents had already defied Pharaoh's decree before. Moses' parents hid him, because they were acting by faith in God's ability to solve their problem. Thanks for listening today, and please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week. This program is listener-supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to Watch Therefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv. You can also send tax-deductible donations to Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. Again, by the web, watchtherefore.tv, and mail... Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. You can also call me right now at 713-624-0943. That's 713-624-0943. Keep watching for Messiah Jesus. 
This is John Peake with Israeli Self-Defense and Fitness. We are the new breed of martial arts and fitness designed to give you the understanding and skills to defend yourself and your family against an attack or threat by an armed or unarmed attacker or multiple attackers. We're an international organization led by former Israeli soldiers with a curriculum that is simple and effective. You owe it to yourself, family, and loved ones to be able to defend against any assault should the need arise. We are followers of Jesus Christ, led by His Holy Spirit to provide a safe and functional training environment to develop life-saving skills and increase your physical fitness beyond what you may think is possible. We offer group, private, and corporate training. Call today and mention KKHT to get a 10% discount on your membership. Remember, you owe it to yourself and loved ones not to be a victim. Visit us on the web at IsraeliSelfDefense.net or call 713-53-TRAIN. That's 713-538-7246 to get started today.